Spring is in the air. In the UK, Boris has given us a roadmap out of lockdown. The vaccination programme is going great guns. I'm Big Tone, and this is Reeducating Dad, the cross-generational talk show. Good news today, Little Tone is back after a gap last week. How are you, Little Tone? Um, I'm okay, thank you. I'm still not 100% yet. <clears throat> So what's been going on? Because uh, we've had a lot of messages asking after you, especially since you were missing last week. Um, well, I had the vaccine two weeks ago, yes, tomorrow. So two weeks ago, tomorrow. Um, and it um, basically flared up all of my original infection symptoms. So basically it was like feeling like I had COVID again. Um and yeah, the, the day after I had the vaccination, I had really bad flu symptoms. And then it's, I've just gone through a really strange um, load of different symptoms since then. Um, but I have an inhaler and I'm getting there just slowly. So there, there is talk that those people who have had COVID seem to get a wor- have a worse time after receiving the vaccine. Have you heard that? Not people that have had COVID, but people that have ha- that are suffering with long COVID oh. seem to be having a pretty bad reaction to the vaccine. Um, because obviously a vaccine, it's, it's supposed to provoke an immune response in you and your, your immune system is still compromised. So, um, and, I, and for me, I'd only had COVID in December. So, Which, which vaccine uh, did you have? I had the Oxford, but, Oxford. It, but it's been reported with both vaccines. Okay. Um, when I was really worried, because I, I basically uh, had a, a positive test. I also didn't know this, but you can test positive for COVID up to 90 days after you've had the initial infection. So I thought I'd got a new strain uh, when I tested positive two weeks ago. And it um, apparently it's just the original infection. Right. Um, but yeah, it's pretty nasty. A lot of people are getting away with no symptoms at all, but there are literally thousands of people suffering with long COVID that are having really bad reactions to the vaccine. Well, let's hope that you get over this nasty experience very soon. The third member of our cross-generational presenting team today is back. We have my grandson, Ben. How are you today, Ben? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, mixed sense of I think everyone's seen that schools and colleges are returning on the 8th and I think mixed sense of nervousness and but also looking forward to getting back to normality and you have a particular you were telling me before we came on air that you have a particular apprehension in relation to going back to school why don't you share that with your with our listeners yeah, well, those who um, who watch uh, on the YouTube vi- videos or, or uh, see the pictures on, on Spotify and the like um, will see that I've been wearing a hat for probably a couple months now just because it's way easier just to maintain my hair. You can just shove it all, shove it all under the hat and the problem goes away. But now uh, schools are opening before, um, before the hairdressers do. I have to find a way, either I have to cut my hair well, my member of family has to cut my hair, or I have to find a way to make it look presentable <laughs> to the public. We all thought that you were just wearing a hat to look cool. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no! That's that's a secondary um, result of of the of wearing the hat. 
So you may have noticed uh, when Boris was uh, making his announcement uh, in the Commons about the ro his roadmap out of lockdown, uh, that he, when he got to the part about the hairdressers opening, he said, thank goodness, or something like that. <laughs> and you have a theory about Boris, right? Well, I, I, it's not really a theory, yeah. I just, I just wondered whether, because obviously um, he probably, he most likely has like a, a team that sort of make him look presentable for, for media when he goes out to the TV. Um, uh, and I wondered if um, his team sort of messed his hair up more so it looked like to the audience that he was struggling um, with the effects of... Um, the effects of COVID not being able to go to the hairdressers and like hiding the fact that he has a team of people working on look, making him look presentable. Yes, for those who, who didn't understand my sound effect there, <laughs> <laughs> if you were watching the video, you would see that I was doing an explosion uh, gesture with my hands to, to sort of mimic Boris's exploding hair. <laughs> um, anyway, we are going to discuss today our... our, our uh, subject for today is Boris's roadmap out of lockdown. Um, so we just want to talk about that and see what each of us from our different uh, gener cross-generational perspectives think of his route forward. Uh, there's been a lot of support for it. I would say much more support for it than the opposite. However, there are a lot of people that think it doesn't go fast enough and uh, particularly people in Boris's own, um, not team, but in, in his own party, mainly on the back benches, I think, that are, that are making a lot of fuss about, you know, the economy and we should be, get, we should be opening up things a lot faster. What, what do you, starting with you, Little Tone, I mean, I know that um, your industry, and perhaps you can talk a little bit about that, has been very severely impacted by the COVID uh, situation. So what do you think about this route ahead? Um, I think it's going to be a really tricky one. I think that it's great that we can see uh, that venues will be at full capacity within the summertime, but I think there's going to be a lots of um, speed bumps. You know, they're talking about these vaccination passports and vaccination, you know, evidence of vaccination in order for people to attend events. Um, and I think that that's going to maybe bit, pose a bit of a human rights problem for people that aren't able to get vaccinated. I'm glad, um, you've, I'm glad you've mentioned that because the, there is now a lot of talk. And I, I believe Boris, uh, Boris is a libertarian and has always been very much against anything like uh, any man, mandating of, of vaccines. Um, and I think mandating of vaccines would be the wrong approach. But it, it doesn't seem to me that those, it could be as many as 20% of people refuse the vaccine. Um, and it seems wrong to me that, you know, one in five of the population should be able to hold the remainder of the population effectively to hostage. Um, I, th I think that if, if, they, these people who have their own reasons for distrusting the vaccine, uh, if they don't want to be vaccinated, then they've got to take the consequences of that. And the consequences of that, it seems to me, is that they're not going to be able to do things where they're mixing with other people and putting other people at risk. 
What are you? Yeah, but I mean, there's people. There's people that are obviously allergic to penicillin. There's women mm. that are already pregnant or. Sure. Know, no. No. I mean, if there's a if there's a valid medical reason, I'm not talking about people who have a valid medical reason. I'm talking but, but about what I'm right. saying is the people with the valid with the valid reason would still be held to you know to hostage as, and they wouldn't be able to attend social events because you know they're no, allergic to penicillin. So, so because uh, the, uh, the, sorry to interrupt you, the the, the um, people who are are not willing to not sorry that's wrong. People who have a good medical reason uh, for not wearing a mask are still allowed to go in shops and go on public transport. And I think the same thing would, would apply uh, to people who had a valid medical reason. I mean, they might have to have a flow test or something like that, but if they've got a valid reason um, not to have the vaccine, then I think that they should be excused. What do you think, Ben? Well, I think it all depends on the herd immunity thing, doesn't it? But, I mean, mm. we're not really going to know what the numbers are like until they get into the 30s and 40s age category, I think. Well, I think we do know that we need a high level of, immu um, of immunity in the community. Uh, yeah, that was a little poetry. <laughs> a bit of poetry there. Uh, we have to have a high level of immunity um, for us to be safe, sufficiently safe. You, can't, you can never be 100% safe, of course. And I think that, that uh, you know, if we find ourselves with you know, a, a big proportion of people refusing, then I think, you know, I think the vaccine passports... So just to be clear, I mean, there's going to be two types, really, uh, as I understand it, of passport those that are required for international travel and i don't think you know i don't think there's any way that people are going to going to be um, allowed to travel uh we've got some echo on the, got some echo coming somewhere can we kill that somehow um i don't think anyone's going to be able to travel internationally without uh without proving that they've been vaccinated but there's also the domestic front where people are going to things like your events, your music events. You know, you're, you're, you were telling me that uh, in your venue, for instance, you have to have, in your venue, you have to have um, uh, a high level of, you, you, can't, you can't work on a reduced level of participation. Is that right, Tony? Mm -hmm. Uh, no, we can't. We can't financially afford to do reduce cap. Um, but they're saying that we're going to be able to do events to full cap um, within by July. So, yeah, we we had the whole roadmap laid out to us um, this morning by um, the head of our uh, our charity, and he, you know, you know, we're talking about being fully open in July, which is seems really soon, to be honest. To me. Well, I'm sure it's all going to depend on the vaccination program, isn't it? Well, what do you what do you think, Ben, about the um, vaccine passports and the mandating of those? Yeah, well, I think um, I think there might need to be um, a third a third passport for those that have a medical reason to not to not um, be vaccinated, and I think you could you could have. Uh, you could have one of those if you if you're not if you can't get vaccinated and that would equally allow you into into venues um 
such as concerts and, and the like, because I think uh, Tony's right, it is unfair to discriminate on those that um, um, that can't get vaccinated. But I think education is the most important, The uh, mm. like educating them on the va- on people on the vaccines, because if you educate them, they'll, they'll be less likely to be afraid of getting them. And I think that's the most important thing to do. And that, that's when you'll see the numbers rising because the people not being able to get vaccinated wouldn't be a problem if we had a herd immunity. So getting the most amount of people vaccinated as possible is, is the best, the best thing to do. Do you have, do you, in, in your age group, your peers, do you, is there a resistance to vaccination? Um, very small. Uh, I would say, um, in like the, uh, 100 people I know in my, in my, they're in my year, I would say I can only think of one or two that I think have objections to it. But I think, I, I think that comes from, um, I, I, it comes from like parents and stuff like that. I don't think it's, um, I, I don't think it's a case of them not wanting to get the vaccine it's their parents. So I don't know how it works with them being, I don't know what the age is that you're, you can uh, say, give yourself authorization to have the vaccine. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I see what you mean. You, so yeah, so yeah, child, yeah. Oh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, mm. Cause I, 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 I'm very interested on the topic of vaccines. I know in America, depending on different States you go to, it can be like 18 or you can get it. You can, um, give consent for vaccines as low as like 14 or something in other states. So I don't know what it is in England. Well, that's, I, I haven't heard that aspect discussed at all. I think that's really fascinating, that point that you've brought up. If the child wants to be vac- vaccinated and the mm. parents are these one of the anti-vaxxing group mm. um, I- and they don't want their child to be vaccinated, but the child does want to be vaccinated, then what do you do? Yeah, because I think you'll find that most children will want to be vaccinated because they'll they'll, they'll see all their their friends being vaccinated and then they'll they'll see it as the right thing the right thing to do. Um, mm. So yes, yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's that's an interesting. A, one. That is a really maybe some of our listeners out there know something about this uh, very important point that you brought up, which I haven't heard anybody discuss yet, but seems to me to be very valid because. If a parent is making a medical decision which is not in the best interest of the child, I would have thought the law would have something to say about that. Um, but I don't know. Mm. There's this there's this test, isn't there, in law about called Gillick Gillick competency, where the child is re, is deemed to be competent to make their own decision, and I, and I think it might be as young as twelve. Okay, that that would be I, that's good. I think, but. Please don't quote me on that. Last <laughs> time I heard about Gillick competency um, was a long, long time ago. So that might well, might well, have, well have been overtaken by something else. So what do we think? Uh, what What do we think about the pace of the? It sounds it sounds little tone as though you think it might even be too fast. Is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in favour of it going at the speed it is. I, I have faith that the nhs will deliver the you know will roll out the vaccine on time and i think that we'll reach herd immunity and i think that it will be safe to open up again my fear comes from my own health journey with getting covid Mm. um and you know obviously there'll be a covid 20 and a covid 21 you know this thing's going to keep mutating and 
we're going to have to keep having boosters. But I don't understand the lack of education and research and support for long COVID sufferers. And I think that that's going to be the next big thing that we need to focus on is mm. how to support people that have long COVID because we've got people that have had it for a year now, you know, they're coming up to a year um, who still feel like they can't breathe or, you know, they've got brain fog and fatigue and it's, it, that is, it's so debilitating and it'll end up being such a huge drain on um, resources. I mean, it already is. They're already saying the drain on resources from, from a long, long COVID sufferers in hospital and also with GPs is, is bad. And since you're one of the sufferers of, of, from long, long COVID, uh, I guess you're learning quite a lot about uh, that particular subject. And you've, um, have you, haven't you connected with others who are the... Yeah, I mean, like I'm, I'm a worrier. I'm definitely a bit of a... I have health anxiety quite a lot anyway because I have the, um, my autoimmune disease. And when I, when I had a bad reaction to the vaccine and then I tested positive for, for COVID again, I was just like beside myself. Um, and there didn't seem to be any sort of information from the GP or anything from the hospital. You know, the hospital didn't say you've tested positive, but you know, you only had COVID in December and you can continue, you can continue to test positive for 90 days. I don't think that that's widely known that fact. And, you know, I didn't know also, it. yeah, also, you know, uh, no one said anything about how, long COVID sufferers can have a really extreme reaction to the, the vaccine in, in the sense that they feel like they're having COVID again, you know, and people have ended up going back into A&E and having to be on ventilators. So I think that I'm feeling very positive for the UK that we are, that we are going at the right speed and that everything will be opened up by, you know, June, July. Um, and I think we'll see, you know, companies starting to kind of recover as well. But I do think, long COVID is going to be the next big problem that we have to deal with. And it is, um, it's a mentally a really tough thing to go through because you have like a couple of days where you feel like you're getting better. And then you have another day where you feel like you can't breathe and you're bed bound and, you know, you feel like you're letting people down because it, there's so little education around it that, you know, your employers are expecting you to be back at work because you sound healthy one day and then the next day you're sick. It's like, mm. it's really difficult. Um, yeah. So, so, so I, go ahead, go ahead. Finish. No, no, you go. I was just going to say, so basically the, the lockdown, uh, the route out of lockdown, according to Boris is essentially four steps. The first step begins on March the 8th. We are now at the 24th of February. Uh, so not long away. Uh, the first big thing is schools opening, and I think that isn't that everything, Ben. Yeah, and that that was that's my one issue with the with the plan mm -hmm. is the the fact that everyone's returning. the The whole point, Boris, in the in the speech, Boris said that the like staggering the steps was to see the effect of each step could be measured before the next one happens. Yes. So I don't I don't see the point then of releasing like letting all of the years go back to school without seeing the the effect of without staggering it and seeing the effect that children going back to school and being amongst children again is having because we saw in previous lockdowns when like jo um workplaces were closed but schools weren't schools were like massive spreaders of covid so it, i think that's a bit reckless uh in my opinion um, but presumably it's supported by the scientific community i i, I hope so I hope so, but I, I just, I've, 
I feel like it, it went against what he said about measuring the effect of each step. Because I th think you make it, a good point. Mm. When, it's so hard to go when back. Do they go back. When when is the March date? March the eighth is step yeah, one. In, in March two weeks. the eighth. Yeah. I think that the majority of the vulnerable categories will be have been vaccinated by then. So that's going to be a massive weight off of mm. um, you know uh, of strain on the emergency services. So I think once those those categories of vulnerable people are vaccinated, the risks are much lower. Also, it's about, it's all about balancing risk because one thing that he did make very plain, as did the scientists that flanked him at the conference, is that this opening up will lead to more infections and will lead, as they always say, sadly, to more deaths. Um, so, it's, but it's a question of balancing the risks because we can't just live in a cave for the rest of time. Uh, you know, we have, we have to think of the economy, we have to think of the collateral damage that is being done to people's health, mental health, um, etc. cancer not being treated, so on and so forth, by being locked down. So we have to balance those things. So, of course, we know that in, in Boris's words, the risk to children themselves is vanishingly small. Uh, so what you're talking about, Ben, is the spreading or the spreading of the infection through the vector of school children. Yeah. That's what you're talking about, which is perfectly valid. But I think they've obviously come to the conclusion that, as T Little Tone says, the majority, if not all, of the vulnerable people will have been vaccinated by that time. And they've just thought, hey, you know, we've got to balance the fact that these children are not, they've lost so much of their education already at a vital time in their development. We can't just let that continue. We've, you know, we've got to take this much risk, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. But I also think that, look, we, we've missed, most children have missed, what is it now, like, almost, un, like, just under a year. And I've, I, I just feel like, I, while going back to school is extremely important, I, I, like, the a couple of weeks, like, a couple of weeks between, maybe you could have halved it or, or quartered it. And I, I feel like just being able to measure the effect of it, I don't think a week or two would have been that, been that effectual on, on our education i think our education this year is already i don't want to say ruined but um at, at least like inhibited i think okay well you make you make a very good point so anyways on step one eighth of march we've got schools opening we've got outdoor after school sports allowed uh we've got two people allowed to sit together outdoors um, and we've got care home residents allowed one regular visit visitor. We don't have that issue in our family, do we? But our next door neighbour here has a you know ninety plus year old mother um, who she very much you know the, the mother well they both obviously miss um, regular contact and that hasn't taken place for a long time. So that's going to be a big step for them. So step two is going to be on the twenty ninth of March. Significant step forward, six people or two households are going to be allowed to meet. But again, it's all outdoors. So 
you know, that means gardens. I, I assume it means gardens. The 29th is also when all, um, like, sports for, like, grassroots football and stuff is, is allowed as well. Yeah. Which obviously impacts impacts me. Um, it's, it's Again, it's all outdoors, isn't it? All, yeah, all the sports yeah. outdoors. So I think tennis is probably going to be, I think tennis is going to be allowed mm. uh, from them, which is good. And that's the first time that we're going to be able to travel outside our local area. Not that anyone has ever defined what local area means, uh, but whatever it does mean, we're going to be able to go further than that. The next step uh, will take place on the 12th of April, which is really the, the first major move forward, as far as I can tell. Non-essential retail shops will be able to op- open and personal hair personal care so that's when you can get yes. your hair cut i can get mine because i'm beginning to look more and more like boris every day um so that i'm really looking forward to that actually uh hospitality opens but again only outdoors but i think that's going to be a great thing for the country because we can you know the thing that britain is really well known for the uk is well known for is its pubs and it's pub gardens particularly weather should be a bit nicer then and uh, at least we can have a beer outside not that you'll have one ben because you don't drink beer no alcohol, or anything or anything yeah. so might have a lemonade no don't drink lemonade literally just ju- literally just water wow that's so healthy wow. Wow. Let's, yeah let's not discuss that <laughs> <laughs> So, you heard, did you hear that um, Reading and Leeds Festival is going to go Yes, ahead? yes, I did. I oh. did, which is good. Which I is think. Great. What's Reading and Leeds Festival? Only one of the biggest festivals in the UK. Okay. Mm. Well, remember, our audience goes way beyond the UK, so... Yeah, and I'm sure they know what Reading and Leeds is. They'll well, know they probably do. It. You just mean, it's just my great age that is <laughs> the block here. <laughs> So also indoor on the also on step two, 12 April, the indoor leisure uh, facilities open, gyms and swimming pools and so on. And also self-contained holiday accommodation open. So that probably means that we'll be able to go on our narrow boat from from then for the first time in a long time. You're not allowed to go on your narrow boat now. No. No, we can't travel out of our local area. Oh, oh of course, yeah. So, uh, uh, but uh, you're not supposed to stay overnight away from your home at the moment. But it is your home. It's not. It's your home on, on the canal. You're not, even, <laughs> even if you've got a second house, you're not go, allowed to go and stay in it at the moment. Uh, so that's the situation. Step three will be the 17th of May when outdoor uh, social contact rules are lifted. Outdoor again. Um, but six people or two households from the 17th of May, we'll be able to meet indoors. So that's the first time we get indoors. And indoor hospitality and hotels open. So 17th of May will be, as far as I can tell, when the restaurants uh, will be al- allowed to open on you know, indoors and, and pubs and their indo- indoor restaurants and so on. So that's the big, really big step. And then step four... Uh, the 21st of June, all legal limits on social contact, gone. Full opening up. So that's 21st of June, just before, well, that's about midsummer. Sounds like a plan? 
sounds I'm good excited. i just hope i hope it stays to that yeah because it all it's all of these dates are not earlier than they're on a not earlier than basis that okay. was what he said there's been a lot of talk in the media today that those dates might be brought forward because all of this is subject to review of the statistics obviously if we saw an uptick in infections and an uptick in deaths infections always come before deaths obviously uh, if, if that happened then they might have to delay these dates but and they were saying not before these dates but now for the first time there are indications that they might be prepared to bring these dates forward if the data looks right, if it, if it looks safe. So that, you know, I would hope that it will go that way because we just so need to get uh, back to normal. I mean, it's, you know, particularly uh, talking at my end of the spectrum cross-generational spectrum it's so awful you know when you you know that time is precious uh, and it's ebbing away not to be able to hug your children and your grandchildren and you know even have any kind of direct contact in-person contact that's i found that very difficult so what do you guys think about now that we've talked that through you still got your reservation about the schools all opening up, I'm sure, Ben. What about you, Little Tone? Um, I don't think that it is too early for the schools to open up. I'm, I think that it's been so detrimental to young people's development. Um, I was just saying to, to Tom a couple of days ago how hard it would be being an 18-year-old and not being able to go anywhere for a year. You know, it's the year that you, you know... Lib become liberated from your home and your and school and stuff like that so I think that you've probably had the toughest thing to uh, Ben going on um, but I feel positive about everything else um, but yeah just obviously this emphasis on long COVID sufferers I think Ben have you do you think you've had it the toughest um, I, w I wouldn't say that the tough the, the toughest just because there there are people out there like suffering from covid and, and everything i mean sure it's been it's been tough but um i think i think you i think little tone means your generation yeah yeah um yeah it's been I, i'm just it, yeah it has been tough but i've always been looking forward to uh to uni because i think that's when uh things will get back back to normal and i'll actually be able to be independent and go do what i want so I've always been in lockdown. I've always just been looking to then and not focusing on right now. You're, re you're ready to flee the nest, aren't you? <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> okay, well, thanks very much, both of you. Um, thanks very much, dear listeners. Uh, we have opened up our YouTube channel now um, and we're getting uh, some nice feedback. So thank you very much. Please uh, do let us know what we are doing right, what we are doing wrong. Um, which I'm sure is a lot, and uh, what anything that you think that uh, we should be a topic that we ought to be discussing, we'd like to hear. You know, anything that fits into this format of looking at things from different parts of the generational continuum. Uh, that's what we we would like to talk about. Things that you are interested in. So, if you all any time that you can give us some pointers on 
what uh, you'd like to hear us talking about, that would be great. Uh, so uh, we've come to the end of our half hour and thank you very much for listening and we will look forward to uh, seeing you again next time. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone. See you next time. Bye.